2: This guy is a machine. All he does is work out
0: and pick uh, winners. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski.
3: Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an
1: all-American field goal kicker. Kick, kick.
2: Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago sports betting show.
0: Touchdown, Ohio
1: State. There are some folks who
0: are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under. Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge.
3: Yeah, I know we should be used to it by now, but the Week 5 NFL schedule a bit up in the air, even on this Saturday morning, because we don't know what the next day, next hour is going to bring us. As far as the news goes, double Monday night football game, maybe that's normal at some point during the season. Tuesday night games every once in a while, sometimes a Thursday night game, sometimes Thursdays are going to be a no-go. That's just the way it's uh, going to be. We did have a Thursday game at Soldier Field. I want to go over that in just a second. In a moment, you're going to love my extended conversation with professional sports better Simon Hunter. He gives us picks, and he'll teach us a trick or two about sports betting. I think that's even more valuable than picks in tomorrow's games. We'll also hear from the Bear, Chris Falika with an appearance on my show, Bet BetSweats, on Radio.com Sports. You know the bear from game day. You're going to be watching him in a little bit. He's the best. You can hear Bet Sweat's live weekdays, 9 to 11 a.m., on the free Radio.com app. But more important than that, subscribe to the podcast. Do it on your phone right now, just so you don't forget, and uh, check it out if you haven't already. You will love it. I promise you that. To the Thursday uh, football we did have, Bears – with the outright upset over the Bucks, 20-19, to 19, it closed at plus 165 on the money line. If you put 100 on the Bears, you won 165. It closed 3.5. Majority of the week, this was sitting at 5.5. More and more Tampa injury news we received. That number kept dipping down, and no matter what number you got, if you took the Bears, that was a good play. I was on the under 44.5 half. And I thought that thing was dead late in the first half. Looked good most of the game early on, and then you have two touchdowns in the last couple of minutes before halftime. And I thought it was dead. It was 14 to 13. Then we go the entire second half without seeing a team get into the end zone. So the under ends up hitting because of the field goal fest that we saw in that second half. I thought Cam Brate would be more involved in the Bucks' offense with O.J. Howard out for the season. I missed on that touchdown prop, hit on the Foles' pass attempts over. That is something I'm going to be watching moving forward, especially when the Bears are opposed by a strong run defense like they were with Tampa Bay. Nagy is one that's willing to bolt from the run game, and he'll go pass heavy and use that as an extension of the run game instead. So I'm going to keep an eye uh, on specific weeks on the Foles' completions and Foles' pass attempts. So winning night overall, if you were checking us out on Sweats, the look-ahead line for the Bears' next matchup, Bears and Panthers, is Carolina favored by 2.5. All that could change based off the results that we see tomorrow between the Panthers and Falcons, but the look-ahead right now is Carolina minus 2.5, and, a half. and uh, maybe they're going to be walking into that game winning three in a row. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score getting you set for the rest of week number five in the National Football League here on the Saturday morning. And we bring into the show Simon Hunter. Follow him on Twitter at Simon Hunter, T A N, standing for the Action Network. He's a pro better, and you can also hear him every week with uh, our buddy Chad Millman over on the Favorites Podcast, courtesy of the Action Network. Simon, did you ever think that you'd be going doing these uh, national radio shows and talk about (laughs) media guy slash pro sports, better guy, Simon Hunter?
4: Oh, definitely not, man. It's funny. I I actually reached out to Chad, not so much even to come on his show, but I just told him, can you just reach out to me, um, before you make your picks because you guys pick the most public picks and it was driving me crazy. And, uh, because I basically made a Twitter account just for family and friends. I didn't really I wasn't looking for clout on Twitter. I was just literally on there just to help because my friends would text me every Sunday, who do you got? And I was living out in the desert in Vegas, so I couldn't handle people texting me at six AM Vegas time asking me for my Sunday picks. So I got East Coast was ahead of the time, but I was just like, listen, just go to this Twitter page and check out my picks. So I did it with Chad and he he offered me a position on his show. And basically if you if you're a legit sports brand and you work with a group or a betting firm. You're under a contract, and all depends. on different groups do different things. But basically, my contract is: I get tipped out at the end of the year. People give me tips for whatever I do and, during the sports season, and my handler, like he'll give me half of those tips, and then he'll keep the other half. So when my contract's up, say at the end of the three years, I'll get all those tips he's been holding on to. If I break the contract and he can prove it, he'll keep that money. Tell you to go y-. So it's one of those where. I went out there and I asked him, he, he said no about me being on Chad show. He just thought it was gonna be a distraction and he has high, I don't know how much certain people pay, but there are clients that pay big money for all the different sports that the group I work for give out. And I pretty much made a deal with him. I said, Hey, if, if I'm suffering by week five, I'll stop doing the show. Like no problem. It's small in the scheme that like, this is what my livelihood is, is being a professional and better. I'm not one of those people who go, yeah, I'm a pro this is what I do. Like, no, I, like, this is seriously what I do. I, I am really passionate about it. And I take it very serious, especially the group I was working for. I was very lucky to be in that group. And he basically gave me the blessing. And, um, the only deal with Chad was that they wouldn't show my face <laughs> and I was going to use a fake name cause it's a real thing getting blacklisted. These sports books, they're not here to let you make money. They're they're here to make money. And if if you're going in, and you're betting over 10k or betting 9k or anything like that, and you're winning consistently, they're going to blacklist you. And I basically went the whole season last year with no problems. Um, And then Chad asked me to step into a bigger role this upcoming season. And uh, I definitely thought about it for a little bit because media is a little different. It's a different world. And I'm obviously not very good at a lot of things. Like I'm sure I'm rambling here. Like one of those things it's uh. I, there's things I need to work on with it. But I felt humbled that he offered me that position. So I was cool with doing it. And it's been cool seeing the show grow. We really, I've gotten a bigger fan base this year and more people have reached out that they're taking the information I'm giving them and they're using it. And they're using these teasers where I told them that there's a lot of value in it. And it's been a good feeling knowing that I'm helping people that aren't paying clients. They're just normal people that are just trying to get better at sports voting. So it's been fun.
3: No, you do a great job and it's impressive uh, with, I assume little or no media training, Let's hit on teasers a little bit more. I, I, I've mentioned it in passing, but I, I've been betting into teasers. I think it's the best way to bet into the NFL if you can find a place that isn't killing you with the juice because these books see it. They're losing on teasers, and that's why the juice is just out of control. Some places don't even offer teasers anymore. Do you just right. kind of follow Wong teasers? And what that means is you're looking for lower total games, uh, shorter dogs, on the road or at home or the heavy favorites just north of a touchdown so you can get it between the seven and the three is that your strategy there or anything else involved
4: you're talking about like long system the book you wrote like yeah a, what yeah. was it like 2010 or 2009
3: yeah it was a while back i believe then it was you're looking at totals of 47 or
4: lower so like i read i, I read that book back to front a couple of times back then especially when i was learning more about nfl and not that it was a Bible, but it, it's genius. A lot of stuff he puts in there, the data and how smart it was. And he would have probably admit it himself. It's just updated so much now in the NFL that there's weird numbers that I care more about crossing than I used to. Like the, the biggest thing is about crossing down from the getting below the two and a half, the two, and I've really put an emphasis on the five and a half. The amount of missed extra points, I've been fine with the juice and buying up to seven. and up to seven with a two-team teaser when I know that this is the best number I'm gonna get. Because I used to leave it if it was six and a half, because I'd figure a touchdown's good here. But over the last two to three years, I really updated my teasers, where five and a half is that really, really special number I like to get these big favorites under. And what I try to tell people with these teasers is, your limit should always be three. Two to three teams is what you should peek at with your teasers. And on a normal season, I would probably do less teasers. I'll be honest, just because of the big and the juice and that adds up when you're doing so many of them. But with this year, I feel way more comfortable playing the teasers because like you've just said, they've been covering at such an alarming rate that as long as you avoid the blowout games and you find these teams that just come back all the time, you can take these big numbers up. And there's been crazy middles on these teasers like last week, I hit the middle on the uh, Washington football team, the Ravens teaser hit the middle and hit the middle on the giants and the Ravens middle in their teaser. So it's one of those where the books are getting crushed in these teasers because you're hitting all these middles and there's not as many blowouts as there used to be. Hmm.
3: Joe Ostrowski with uh, pro sports better, Simon Hunter on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Thanks for listening to Early Odds. I think it's more interesting. I think it helps people in the long term if you can uh, teach them how to bet. We'll get to these week five games, but uh, a few other questions that I have. Uh, your overall approach uh, to the NFL, because when I listen to you talk about these games early on in the week, it doesn't sound like you're only following a model, that you're a strictly a numbers guy. Y- you have a different element, and I've talked to a lot of bettors that do model some of these games and it just feels like they look at the NFL differently. You still have uh, these other elements like spots, like um, a letdown spot or coming down after a big win that you bring into the NFL that you might not bring in with other sports.
4: Right. And it's definitely an old school thing where like a lot of these guys I work with from out in the desert, we're all in group texts and chats and they're constantly just passing along just the old smart wisdom. You can get trapped by line movement all the time. But there are certain games and there's certain styles and systems where these guys can really spot it. And an easy example was last week with Carolina and uh, the Cardinals. So I really liked the Cardinals last week. I thought it was going to be a good spot. My model even had it as a good number with the Cardinals to bounce back and sure enough i got a text from two different guys i work with out in the desert and they said you're stepping in it again so this is a trap so carolina is going to win this game outright i stepped in it (laughs) yeah and i go back i look at it and i look at old film from the prior season and they were right the way the cardinals were playing going to that game was something my model my model wasn't reading because i'm doing early numbers this year and i'm basing off numbers of last year So the Cardinals, they finished really good last year, especially their offense. They played really well. Where this year, they played well against the 49ers, and then they played well week two. And then we kind of saw them a little, little lay down there with the lines, like a bad game from Kyler. And in this previous game, they were just super boring. All their passes were behind the line. So that's one of those where it's a human element where I trust my model and I use the data off it when there's a big discrepancy in the line. That's when I have to pause and look at the human element and saying, what am I not seeing that these other professionals are seeing? And that's hard to do. I'll be honest. Cause like most of these other guys, they really trust their models. They've made a lot of money off it. Same here. And picking and choosing these spots and knowing what the old school guys think where there are rules. I break a ton of rules. I break, I'll be the first to tell you that like, uh, We took the Ravens last week as a road favorite at minus 12 and a half. Any sharp guy would tell you that was a stupid bet, that you should take Washington because they're the home big double-digit dog in a non-conference game. But you break away from that because they're not always right. These stupid plays hit at over a 40% clip. And, yeah, long term, I'm not going to be doing those kind of bets. I'm not going to take these big favorites on the road. But during this COVID season, I'm willing to take these big favorites that I trust the offense of with a good quarterback.
3: A lot of people say parlays is a sucker's bet. Don't do it. And it's funny when you look at some of the numbers that come in every month with some of these sports books. We just got a chance to do that with Illinois. It's unreal the amount of money that is bet on parlays from some of these new betters. But I hear you talk about betting parlays. I think the difference is – that it sounds like uh, you stick to two teams. And that's a way uh, to really get some nice odds.
4: Yeah, and uh, people hate it because I'm like the most boring parlayer ever. I do – my top is three. So my my peak is three teams, and it's all money lines every time. So basically what I do is I try to look, especially early in the season here, I don't do this so much later in the season when there's more upsets because these teams are broken down or worn out. And these bad teams have gotten healthy and they can beat these good teams. But early in the year, I really like taking teams that range from five and a half to 10 and take their money line and put it with other teams that are from five and a half to 10. And we talked earlier, I made one really big bet this year. And it was the Browns money line against uh, the Bengals, the uh, 49ers money line against the Jets, and then the Chiefs money line against the Chargers. So, any pro you tell that bet to, they would say it's a dumb bet and you should (laughs) have lost it. Like, I should have lost on the Chiefs. And I got really lucky and got bailed out there that it is a COVID season. Because in a normal year, there's no way the Chiefs would cover that number. I know how great Patrick Mahomes is, but with fans, I I highly doubt that they would have came back and won that game. So, every pro, like, especially people online, everyone's a sharp, right? Uh, Everyone knows what the rules are and what the best way to win money is where – I don't care about the big or the juice. If someone comes to me with a winner and I believe in them, I'm going to take that number. It could be minus 200. I'll bet 2,000 a 1,000. I don't care. I, I just want winners. With these money line parlays, I just do it because I want to get the big down. Because if I'm, if I'm laying a grand, I'd rather get a grand back than lay a grand down and get 500 back when I'm doing two teams. Because that's just a lot of juice to play when you're risking two games. Instead of just winning one game, now you're on to two. So you need to win two. But – people find long term if you can be smart with it and like you don't need to be making 10 bets a weekend if you can break it down and just do three games you got two and on one at the end of the year you're going to be making a profit you're going to be up and I think too many people with the parlays they just keep adding teams they go well I like that team too let me throw their money line in too." and they go oh I like that team too and then at the end of it they're up to a 19 parlay with three over-unders and a bunch of money lines. It's like one of those is going to break. The thing we always shook about, and it's with a guy who used to be on my podcast, Dan Ravel, an old friend. He tweets out these, these guys that are doing these big parlays or a guy coming in and putting 100K on a game. I think everyone should know by now that those aren't sharp people. No, no sports book is taking 100K from anyone they consider sharp. That's a house player. That's not a group coming in. The group's coming in, they're going to have runners. They're going to break up these big bets, and they're going to be hitting different casinos with smaller amounts that total to 100K. But they're not going to just go to one book and lay 100K on it, unless it's the Super Bowl and you can get away with that. So what I would tell to people is if, if you were ever doing parlays, just stop at three. Like two teams is already good enough, and eat that juice because you're going to get a winner. It doesn't really matter. The juice only hurts you, when you if you're losing a lot. I would never, never, never recommend people to do above three. It's just impossible to win that way long-term. You're never going to win doing that many parlays.
3: Do you do more favorites or dogs, or does it depend on the week? Because I, I'm looking at this, this card, Simon, and you see all of these big, big favorites. And I'm thinking, man, the books uh, might get into some trouble with some of those favorite money line parlays, which have <laughs> become so popular over the last few years.
4: Yeah. And it feels like an easy week where like, people are going to be doing the Cardinals with the Steelers with Houston. There's just a bunch of different money lines that are really stick out that people are going to take. And my favorite thing to do is I like, like I like doing the favorite things, but I like doing the dog long shot parlays cause there's no better tool right now than live betting and hedging out where back in the day, you'd have to be in the sports book and you'd have to run up to the window to get a live number. And now you can just sit on your couch and wait for the best number to be available, whatever, whatever game you're betting. Every week I do money line parlays of these dogs. So last week I missed on two of them, but I hit on the Browns and the Eagles money line parlay. So that literally was like a grand to win. I want to say 12 or 13. So that covered my other two bets. And when I hedged, I took the 49ers at, um, I want to say it was like plus seven and a half or plus eight. So I hit that middle. So I literally hit my money line and I hit the 49ers at plus eight and a half when they were down. So that's one of those where, yeah, I could say, oh, that was so sharp for me. It was more of those, I'm just playing it safe. that I always get back my base of my dog bets. So when people are doing these money line bets, what you're looking for this week is it might be a bad week for it because uh, Kirk Cousins is a primetime game but like the Seahawks, the team that are 4 and 0 and they're 4 0 against the ATS. In a normal season, this is a great spot to take the Minnesota money line just cuz we're playing the law of averages. Are are we really going to bet here that the Seahawks are going 16 and 0 and 14 and 2 or does it sound more normal they go 12 and 4? So, that's one of those where I would take an early game. Um, let's see here. A good early game money line part. Like I like the Eagles again against the Steelers. I think this, like we'll talk about upcoming, the Steelers will come out sloppy. So you can take the Eagles money line. You pair it with Minnesota money line. If the Eagles money line hits, you have the easiest hedge out later in the night. If the Seahawks get down by a field goal or whatever it is, you can just put a middle bet on the Seahawks money line and you're going to make a profit. And that's, that's what people don't get. We're professionals. All we're doing is grinding out. Little wins here and there, and then hitting big every now and then. So people think we're all just blowing through 100K every weekend. We might be, but we're spacing it out. We're being smart with. We're not just laying it all throughout all the different games. There's games you're going to load up on, maybe two or three, and then you're just spread the other thousands out throughout the other games. So that's my biggest advice for that with the moneyline dogs.
3: Don't you love it on Twitter now at Simon Hunter? T A N, where people can come after you after every single loss and they don't understand that you're absolutely killing it if you're in the 55, 56% range.
4: Yeah. And that's what I like. I, I can just laugh and BS with these guys because I don't mind it. Like, I'll like, I favorite these people's tweets that come at me um,
0: <laughs>
4: because it's fun. It's like, I don't know much about gambling Twitter. I'll be honest. I'm I am very new to the whole scene and like the whole tout thing. Like, I learned about that. That's whole crazy. That's a whole cool. different world I didn't really know about. Yeah. And what I say to these guys is if you're upset at people about losing and if you're just mean to people online in the gambling world, it's basically half the gambling world are new, are new betters that are trying to get better or they're winners. And the other half are people that think they know everything and they're losers every year on sports betting. And they're mad at other people for winning or whatever. And for me, when I do these like long season term like bets, I could go 45% on my picks for the year with my clients but they might be up I know people do units 100 units because we've hit on big bets and all these guys know that I I I give out picks for a living to this group and I've never ever had to deal with like people bitching about a game like I give them the games they'll bet it you don't hear a peep yeah if they lose they go oh man you were bad on that one yeah that, that was a miss but it's never where it's on Twitter. It's just like never-ending. It's like, oh, how can you be so stupid picking this? Or The best is when people talk crafty to you before games are over and you end up hitting the line yes, and you win the bet. And they're just like, oh, well, next time you won't be as lucky. And It's like, okay, guy, you got me. <laughs> well, let's go
3: over our best bets next uh, with Simon Hunter, the Action Network. He's a pro better. Check him out on the Favorites podcast. I'm Joe Ostrowski. This is Early Odds. We'll go over our best bets next on 670, the score, and the radio.com app. You've got Early Odds with Joe Strausky, Sports Radio 670 with the score. Thanks for uh, hanging out this Saturday morning, getting you set for the rest of the Week 5 card coming up in the NFL all day tomorrow. My guest this morning, pro sports better Simon Hunter. You hear him on the Favorites podcast from the Action Network. Uh, Simon, I want to go back and forth. Uh, I don't know if we're going to land on the, on the same spots here, but let's just go over the the top games that really stand out If I let you go anywhere on the board side, total, take us anywhere, where would you start?
4: Uh, so for these early games, we, uh, we talked about these overs have really been cashing and I'm on the bandwagon of people that they still haven't adjusted enough. I'm starting to think here, maybe, maybe I should just keep doing these overs until they start hitting these unders more often. And I'm gonna try not to overthink it, because I was on a couple unders last week, thinking they were too high on it, and I got burned. Where these overs I was betting, were cashing, like you said, they were cashing by a couple of points, but they were still hitting. So for these early games, I'm I'm gonna go back to the well, and I'm gonna take. And I know a lot of people are gonna say, well, of all the overs to take, why would you take this one, this ugly? I'm gonna take the football team with the Rams, and. I think last week was a down week for the Rams. Their offense looked bad and they puttered out and they didn't do good driving down the field. I think golf will have a better game against this banged-up Washington football team defense. And on the other side, I think Kyle Allen will come out and he'll have a good first half, maybe a good first start, but I think he'll come out firing. and They're going to let him really open up the offense and push the ball downfield. And from what I've seen for the Rams, when they come east, they give up, they, they've been having high-scoring games. I think the public's coming on this under after last week's game with both these offenses didn't look great. And you can get at certain books up at 46, 46 and a half. So I'm going to take that over of the Rams and the Washington football team.
3: what's fascinating about that move, not only it seems like they're giving up on Haskins early, that maybe as a team they've made the call, but I'd have to believe that part of the reason they made the move was because Rivera, the new head coach with that club, that he doesn't want to lose his team. Like, Sometimes it's narrative-driven, but there, there might be some motivation with the rest of the team. This might give them a jolt for this week. And Kyle Allen had a nice run, first four or five games last year with the Panthers.
4: Right, and that's what I'm thinking here is he, he had games where he would put up points. What people are saying about Haskins is true. He might have got a raw deal here where he only – I think it's 13 or 14 career games. But you know – you see it and you know. And in this league, if you're not a top 10, top 15 quarterback, what's the point? So I'm with them on the fact that if we're going to be bad this year. We're going to be bad with Kyle Allen, or maybe they'll bring Haskins back and later in the season, or maybe they'll put Alex Smith and who knows what is thinking with that. But if I was them, I would be on the same boat. You just you, you tank the season, you're going to get one of these top quarterbacks. And I like the first game start usually from these quarterbacks. So that's why I'm just I, I was on Rams earlier in the week when I thought it was Haskins starting. But I, I feel more comfortable taking the over here with the, new, the QB switch.
3: Yeah, and uh, they're still in the division race, as crazy as it is. Uh, the Eagles get their first one of the year, and they're in first place in the terrible <laughs> NFC East. I want to start with a game that uh, you touched on a little bit earlier, so I think you'll agree with me here. How about Sunday night football? And the Seattle Seahawks are favored by a touchdown over Minnesota. It feels like the number is this high, Simon, because – because of those primetime spots, because Russ has been so great in the prime time, and Kirk Cousins has been so dreadful at times. But I, I was fading the Vikings to start the season. I, I made one wager, them uh, to finish last in the NFC North. I don't think the, I don't know if the lines are going to allow that to happen. Just watching what they've done over the last couple of weeks and really open things up. They're number one and explosive. Play rate in the NFL, and and you just keep seeing Dalvin Cook hundred yards, Justin Jefferson, the rookie wide receiver, hundred yards. They've really opened up the offense, and the Seattle defense. We talk so much about Russ; defense is terrible. If you look at yards per play, they're down there with Atlanta, Tennessee, very bottom in the NFL. So, since I'm getting a touchdown, as long as it's still seven, I'm going to take the Vikings plus seven.
4: And that is a good number. I was early in the week. I was on Minnesota with a seven and a half. And the biggest worry here is that we're back in the Vikings after a win, a road win on their second road game. And it's prime time, which any fan knows, Kirk Cousins in prime time. He usually fails, and he fails miserably. So I, I do love the Vikings over here, and especially against defense, where Dalvin Cook, he's running really well right now. And the, bit, the way to beat the Seahawks is controlling the, the clock, and keeping Russ off the field. And I'll ride with you on the seven. Um, if, you, if your book drops it down to six and a half, that's hard not to take Russ at that number. But with the seven, it feels – I feel more comfortable because we talked – there's so many missed extra points. You don't have to worry as much with a push anymore with the seven. You can get the outright win taking the seven on the spread. So I'll ride with you. I'll back the Vikings here at plus seven. You know, with these
3: island games, you know, the public – obviously can drive the number a little bit do you think we could get to sunday night and go back to seven and a half
4: i do that yeah. that's what i was going to say is that it's a lot of sharp money coming in now and maybe some public coming in on minnesota so the number of certain books is down to six and a half for the seahawks but i think by game time especially if it's another good public day this this number no doubt will be up to seven and a half just like the eagles they were seven or seven and a half last week and by kickoff they were up to plus nine so that's what I mean. If you, if you like Minnesota, wait on this number. Don't bet it early in the week.
3: All right. Take us uh, somewhere else on the board uh, side or total. What do you like?
4: We'll give people a side here. So I should disclaimer. I am an Eagles fan, um, but I am happy to separate the two. And on our podcast, uh, the favorites before the season started, we did an over under podcast. And my favorite under was the Eagles at nine and a half. And A lot of my hometown friends reach out and go, what is wrong with you? How could you pick against our team and take that under? And it was more just looking at an aging team that had a lot of deficiencies, at a lot of key positions. And then by the start of the season, they were already down two offensive linemen. So when I'm looking at this number and it's fluctuating from seven to seven and a half with the Eagles, it's the classic that Pittsburgh hasn't looked bad this year and the Eagles have. And the public are thinking themselves, oh, the Steelers are coming off a bye week against an Eagles team that just went on the road. They won. Now they're traveling back across country to play a top three AFC team. When I'm looking at it, I'm thinking to myself, okay, the Steelers, who have they beat? They beat Denver? Barely. Beat them by less than a touchdown. They beat the Giants, which was the first game of the season. And they beat Houston, who it seems like it was just a Bill O'Brien problem. that The players seemed like they quit on them. They weren't playing hard for them. Yep. So... While the public's going to come in heavy here on the Steelers, I think I'm getting the best of a number that this this should be minus six for the Steelers or five and a half. The fact that it's seven seven and a half, the Steelers are going to come out slow in this game, and the Eagles' D line is graded out as the best D line of football. A lot of people would be shocked by that. They have the most sacks in the NFL. The Steelers actually have a banged up offensive line. Wait until uh, it gets closer to Sunday. And the public really come in on the Steelers and all their parlays and teasers. And you might be able to get this at eight with the Eagles.
3: So, Simon, on my show, Bet Sweats this week, I was taking a look at all these spreads of seven and a half, seven, six and a half, a uh, number of them. I believe there's a half a dozen games there. And, and this is one of the games I, I kind of agree with you there. I figured that the Steelers could come out slow. We've seen it so many times under Mike Tomlin, where I think the Eagles are actually live to win this game.
4: Right that's what like I was joking about. Um, People think it's a real Homer picking me but this is just situational where if you watch enough football, we all get a good read on these teams and even depends on if you're final model or different systems. We all know Big Ben just has these three or four games that he just lays down and it's usually at home against a team they're way better than so I'm with you. I, I like that the Steelers play to their competitions level and I like the Eagles to cover this number.
3: Uh, this is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest pro better, Simon Hunter. Here I'm on the favorites podcast. Somewhere else I'm looking. I hope I'm not overreacting to what we saw on the Cowboys-Browns game last week. And this number has uh, ticked down a little bit. It's always been inside of a field goal. Indianapolis favored by one and a half last time I saw. And. I know some are scared off by the Nick Chubb injury, but they they still have some talent in the backfield, Cleveland does, with with Kareem Hunt, and uh, Johnson ran for nearly 100 yards, had a big OBJ, three-touchdown game last week. And I'm looking at Cleveland. I think Stefanski's done a really nice job. He's not going to put the game in Baker's hands. He's not going to tell Baker, go win win me the game, because if he does, I'd be fading them all day. But you still have that strong offensive line. I think the run game will still be there. And I know all the numbers are telling us that the Colts have the best defense in the world, Simon, but I, it's hard for me to buy into it. Uh, last week, it was the Bears and Nick Foles. They faced Sam Darnold and Cousins and Minshew. I don't think they've really been tested here. And um, I, I'm not saying the Colts are a bad team. I'm just not buying in all the way. I I don't know that they should be favored against the Browns here. I think the Browns are going to win the game. So uh, I'd play them at one and a half, two, two and a half, whatever you get.
4: Right. And if this was week 13 or 14, you came to me. So the Colts have the number one run defense. I'd respect it way more than from what I've seen from their early schedule and in normal situations, you always take the number one run D against the number one run offense. Because the number one run D, they're going to outproduce the number one run offense. Like you were saying, they've been taking the ball out of Baker's hands. It's, they're letting the wide receivers throw downfield instead of Baker. It's been kind of funny. Uh, I love the Browns here. It's definitely one of those games, though, that I'm scared off a little. It's three straight wins for the Browns. We're, we're about to live in a world, I guess, where the Browns win four straight games. So that's <laughs> –
3: It is, yeah.
4: That's the thing where you say that out loud to yourself, and it, 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 it scares you, and it makes you think, whatever the numbers are saying, they might be wrong here because I'm with you. I, I got the Browns at minus two and a half, so I think they should be favored in this. So I think you're getting good value on the Browns. I'm going to take them this week too.
3: Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, Cleveland has been putting up some points. I know not as good as uh the, the Colts defense, but they have been scoring. I uh, had people – Forty nine, thirty four, thirty five. It's going to be a good matchup, fun game to watch. Uh, what else do you like for this week?
4: When we were talking about these these big favorites and these big dogs, and we've been talking about how we've been more comfortable this year to take these bigger favorites. Yeah. And from what I'm reading, it sounds like Jimmy G is going to be back for the 49ers. So early in the week, I liked Miami because in my mind, I'm getting over a touchdown here against a banged up Forty Nineers team with. Let's just say a horrible quarterback in Nick Mullins. He he looked really bad last week. He was throwing to defenders that were just standing right there. and You put it right in their gut for a pick six. I know the trend. The 49ers right now are 0 and 2 at home, and they've they're 2 and 0 at MetLife. <laughs> so not the greatest uh, encouragement to take in San Fran here, especially when it's a big number like this, minus nine. But I'm gonna trust the fact that the 49ers can just run the ball and control the clock against a miami team that that was a big game for them last year last week that was kind of what are we going to do this season are we going to be for real are we going to be pretenders it looks like they're one of those teams that they're waiting to get two in and the fitzmagic money has run out here so i'm going to back the 49ers and take the minus nine here
3: i'm surprised because i haven't heard a lot of chatter about that game but i fully endorse it because i took san francisco in a lot of my survivor pools this week Uh, Because I didn't want to use up Kansas City or or some of the top Baltimore. There, I I, we didn't even get to the spot part. We've got Shanahan on our side, and they're getting healthier. Mostert back in practice this week. Garoppolo too, Um, coming off that embarrassing loss on Sunday night. it, It just jumps out to me that this is a this is a pretty good play.
4: Yeah, and it's just it's like the same thing where the Saints. Everyone was off of them after getting blown out in a primetime game against Green Bay. They went up to uh, play the Lions, and they were down 14-0, and everyone was just saying, oh, I knew it. The Saints were frauds, and the Lions were the right side. And the Saints came back, because usually these teams after primetime games, they just bounce back from that embarrassment, especially well-coached teams. So I'm with you. I'm going to back Shanahan here and really think the 49ers, this is a a great spot for them.
3: All right, so I was thinking uh, another heavy favorite but uh, I was thinking about a different game. So I, I don't think you're going to agree with me here. But I'm looking at an NFC East matchup with the Cowboys and the Giants. It is still inside of 10. If it got to that 10, then I'd probably back off. We know the Cowboys' defense is putrid. Have been putting up points 38, 31, 40 over the last three games. thing for me here, Simon, is we know the Cowboys are going to be able to score. Even though the Giants' defense has been pretty impressive. The Giants can't score, man. They haven't scored a touchdown since week two against the Bears at Soldier Field. They're dead last in total DVOA, um, yards per play. They're 29th in the league. No explosion on offense. Giants fans are wondering what they have in Daniel Jones. I just... I don't see any way they can keep pace uh, with the Cowboys here, even though Dallas has a terrible defense. The Giants will score. They'll get into the end zone. I just don't think they'll be able to score enough to keep it inside the number.
4: And that's fair. And it's one of those where that is why the public are coming on the Cowboys because they're all thinking to themselves, the Giants can't score, so they're not going to be able to keep up with the Cowboys. I-, I don't care how bad the Cowboys' defense is. There might be times when Daniel Jones is just taking himself out of a drive because he misses guys on third down. For me, when I look at this, I got to take the Giants and I got to take the Giants money line too, just because (laughs) the Cowboys what they've shown from us this year is they yeah they they they're great at junk time and Dak can put up all these stats, but they're just not a winning mentality as a unit and. Something seems like it's wrong there. Where I watched that game last week, there are so many plays where they don't have guys running to the ball. They have guys not wrapping up and tackling. They just look like they don't even want to be out there on defense. And we have a Giants team who last week, yeah, that might have been the game they should have won against the Rams. They, they, they played them really tough that whole game. They just couldn't pull it out and get the win. But for an 0-4 team, I, I'm going to just think here that the Giants in the divisional game are going to play this close and they have a chance at winning it outright
3: i didn't get all the mccarthy hype so like being in chicago i, I saw a lot of it up close uh, with the green bay packers and it seemed unanimous when they moved on from him oh it's a great move it's going to be great Get Aaron Rodgers a real offensive mind. His offense, McCarthy's, was way behind the times. They didn't get along. This is great. He goes away for a year, and he says the word analytics at a press conference, and then all of a sudden, all these people love McCarthy. It's like, oh, what an upgrade from Jason Garrett to McCarthy. But Garrett sucks. We all know that. Yeah. But I, I didn't understand by leaving the game for a year how he suddenly became a great coach, and they were one of those buzzy teams in the offseason.
4: And it's funny where the analytic guys, like, really hate Rodgers. They think he's washed up and he's been bad now for, like, four or five years. Where it's kind of funny, Rodgers gets a new coach, and now his last two seasons, his record's like, what is it, 17-3 and with a new head coach. So, obviously, Rodgers wasn't the problem. I guess all these guys' numbers are wrong. But I'm with you. I lost the bet, obviously, because Bill O'Brien got fired. That was one of my early first coaches fired. I thought McCarthy had a shot at it, that if they came out really bad and he still looks like he's not that good of a coach, they would just give Kellen Moore or someone else the reins of that team. But we'll see. If they lose this game, that will be tough for Jerry not to fire him because that would be embarrassing to lose to the Giants here.
3: Good stuff here. Uh, Simon Hunter, check him out on Twitter, at Simon Hunter, T-A-N. Hear him on the Favorites podcast every single week. He's a professional bettor, and he likes San Francisco, Philadelphia, the L.A. Rams, the Washington football team. Over and I'm on Minnesota, Cleveland, and Dallas. Uh Simon, this was a lot of fun. Look forward to doing it again.
4: Yeah, it was good, Joe. It's good talking to you, buddy.
3: That was fun. We'll make sure to get Simon Hunter back on early odds. Up next, we'll get the Bear, Chris felica's top play of the day in college football, and hopefully a horse racing winner from our friend Jim Miller over at Hawthorne. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturday mornings, eight to nine on six seventy the score and the radio.com app. Early odds of Joe Ostrowski at 670 to score and the radio.com act. Before we get to Jim Miller over at Hawthorne Racecourse with some horse racing picks, I want to bring you a snippet of my chat with Chris Felica. Yeah, the bear from ESPN's Game Day. So I talked to him yesterday on Bet Sweats and I asked him, What's your top play of the day?
2: It's funny. I just give you a note about how it's been great to uh, blind bet double-digit underdogs and the and the one play that I feel pretty strongly about this week is a double-digit favorite and uh, again <laughs> early in the week I wouldn't have thought that uh Georgia laying 12 12 and a half whatever that is, the number is uh would be something that I would really like a whole lot Uh, especially being it's kind of a sandwich situation with the with the Bulldogs having Alabama on Saturday coming off that big emotional win uh, over Auburn but I, I don't know. I, you, you have a Tennessee team, obviously, that's lost 33 in a row, top 10 teams, and it's been 122 to 26 the last three years. And a lot of people talking about how the Vols have the longest winning streak in the SEC, but I, I think it's a little bit overblown. Like Again, you can only play the teams on your schedule, but at the same time, you look at those eight wins in a row that Tennessee has, two against South Carolina teams who aren't very good. Two were against Missouri teams who really aren't very good. One is against Vandy. One's against a Kentucky team that couldn't throw the ball. One was the massive uh, gap by Indiana in the ballgame. And the other was the UAB team who I think lost their starting quarterback during the game. And, and four of those games were, I think, decided by four points or fewer. They were definitely one possession type game. So uh, I, I don't know. Tennessee's better, and, and they certainly won these games, which is something that they haven't done in, in years past. And the fact they're doing that is good. But I think they're going to have a lot of trouble with that Georgia defense tomorrow. I could see this being one of those 27-10, 27-14 uh, type games where, where where Georgia's defense really does uh, does a job on them.
3: The Bear, Chris Felica from ESPN on sweats yesterday. See what you're missing? You're missing? If you want to hear that entire conversation, check out the Bet Sweats podcast. Uh, we air live 9 to 11 a.m. weekdays on the Radio.com app. Around this time, every Saturday morning on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. We welcome in our buddy Jim Miller from over at Hawthorne Racecourse, and uh, Jim with the strange 2020 schedule. Now the Preakness is in the books, but we have something to look forward to in the Breeders' Cup.
5: Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's weird, Joe, because you just finished the Triple Crown with the Preakness last weekend, and now it is, it's like a grand slam. The Breeders' Cup is less than a month away, and I'll tell you, the Preakness kind of threw everything for a loop, because now you don't know what's going to happen with the Preakness winner, Swiss Skydiver, if that one's going in the Distaff or the Classic, or where she's headed. And what's going to happen with all these other three-year-olds as they look to face some older horses, but Breeders' Cup is only a month away, and with limited capacity at our locations for the OTBs in Hawthorne, people need to start making those reservations right now.
3: All right, so we still have some time, like you mentioned, a month away, but what about today? What, what do we like for the people?
5: Yeah, we have some ways to make some money today. There's three horses at prices that you can bet across the board today. One of them is going to be a Keeneland. Race number nine, look to the eight horse, California Kook. 12 to 1 in the morning line. This is a horse that was fourth against the boys in the Del Mar Derby. Rates back early on, comes flying late. And that's the horse that I think could pick off horses in the lane. And then two horses at Hawthorne on the Saturday card. Race one the seven, no passing zone, 10 to one in the morning line. And then race nine the six, Valiant Lady is nine to two in the morning line. Both horses that should improve at Hawthorne, bet both of those across the board. And we can make some money and start building the bankroll right now towards a football Sunday and towards Breeders' Cup weekend.
3: And Jim, for people that don't know, it's been a couple of weeks now, but people always jumping in. Uh, Points Bet is open at Hawthorne Racecourse, yep. open to the public. And a birdie told me that one of the three OTBs where you can uh, bet on, on sports with Points Bet is going to be opening very, very soon.
5: Yeah, and that's the cool thing about it. And really, it was really neat last weekend going down to the Points Bet Sportsbook at Hawthorne and watching people watching the races and wagering on the football game and going back and forth. And it was. It was a good crowd. There was a good atmosphere there. And it's nice to now extend that reach into the OTB network. And Crest Road is going to be coming on next. Another great location, another beautiful setup, multiple TVs, everything in HD, all those signals out there. And then just around the corner are locations in Oak Brook and Prospect Heights. And it's really cool because kind of you get coverage of the whole area for points bet. And that's what you want. You want those options out there. You want the great odds out there. You want the ease of accessibility too. And that's what we're hopeful uh, to provide here with these points bet sportsbooks.
3: Beautiful. Jim Miller, Hawthorne Racecourse Jim. Talk next Saturday. All right, you got it. Thanks, Joe. And speaking of points bet, they do offer points betting over there, something I highly recommend you checking out. And if you don't know anything about it, basically the premise is the more you're right on a game, the more you win. The more you're wrong on a game, the more you could potentially lose. So last week I tried it on an NFL total for the first time, did it with Cleveland and Dallas. Thankfully, I I nailed that one. And I did a smaller bet, but I won 29x my wager because that thing went so far over the total. So I'm going to do this every week right here on Early Odds. It's usually going to be something Bears related, but the Bears already played this week. So I've got to look at the rest of the Week 5 card, and I'm looking at another over. Until I see a week where the unders really start to come in, I'm going to stick with the overs. Hopefully uh, they don't tick up on the penalties like they were the other evening. But I'm looking at two teams that can't play any defense, and one of them is number two in pace in the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons and Panthers. The total for points betting is 54 and a half. I'm gonna go over. We'll do this every single week and uh, try to get you guys more acclimated into points betting. You heard from Jim Miller, the Bear, Chris Felica. And if you missed it earlier, I highly suggest you go back and check it out on the podcast or the Rewind feature on the Radio.com app, my extended conversation with professional sports better Simon Hunter. Check me out Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. on the free Radio.com app, my sports betting show, BetSweats. If you can't catch it live, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Inside the Clubhouse is next on Sports Radio 670, The Score. My name is Joe Ostrowski. Best of luck, everyone.
2: How powerful is Cox Internet?